Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. A lot of stuff to talk about out there in the world. And yet one of the first things I want to just mention quickly, football is back. I saw a lot of people very excited about it on social media. A lot of people joking about it. And I have to tell you this just real quickly about the Bills 31-10 win over the Rams. As I was walking my dog right at the start of the game last night, I did want to see as much of it as I could possibly see. Uh, but at the start of the game, I take the dog out for a walk because she's going crazy. Uh, I have about a one-year-old puppy uh, right now. And as I'm walking through my neighborhood, I get about two blocks away from my home, a place I just recently moved, and I see a dude with three or four of his buddies outside in the backyard uh, watching the game from his garage, and he's got three or four giant televisions, a whole bunch of the neon signs, everything in the garage and I realized at that moment I am failing as a guy that was one of the most magical things I've seen the game looked amazing the speaker system sounded amazing there's one thing I know he's missing and one thing I don't think the missus is ever going to let him get and that in my opinion uh, just quickly is that he needs the full-on bar there in the garage you got to have the tabletop the countertop bar you got to put at least one beer on tap uh, judging by the neon signs, I think that that, dear, uh, that beer excuse me, probably is Miller Lite. I'm just guessing. I don't know. Maybe you go rogue and go with something else. Uh, but there's just something about it, and I'm sure a whole lot of people do it all throughout the country. I've never lived so close to somebody with a setup that amazing. And I, I wonder how many hours it took also. I promise I'll move on to other things in just a second. But it was just so captivating to me to wonder how you go through the arguments that I imagine happen to convince the missus this is a good idea. But anyway... Let's move on to other things, something much more important in the news, something I think that has a lot of value out of Washington, D.C. A lot of stuff to talk about today, a lot of stuff to talk about every single day on the show. Uh, This is interesting, though, and for some reason, I truly love this one. Uh, This is a Democrat at a D.C. uh, council member complaining about the fact that they're now a quote-unquote border town, according to this one individual. Obviously, I think a lot of us would disagree uh, that it is a border town now, uh, the equivalent of a border town in D.C., meaning the amount of people that are living there that aren't supposed to be in our country legally. I just love the fact that the sound of this is how dare anybody, how dare any of these places that deal with this all the time make us deal with it, too, since we're the kind of place that claims or we're the kind of city that claims that this is completely fine for us to deal with as a country. So it's been said, but it's worth reiterating that Texas and Arizona have created this crisis. And the federal government has not stepped up to assist the District of Columbia. So we, um, along with our regional partners, will do what we've always done. We'll rise to the occasion. We've learned from border towns. (laughs) I'm sure, yeah. El Paso and Brownsville. Uh Um, And in many ways, the governors of Texas and Arizona have turned us into a border town. We don't know how long (laughs) this will take. Right. To resolve, we don't know how long they will continue busing. And mm-hmm. so the right thing to do here is to be prepared to ensure we can greet every bus. We can get people off on the right foot. We can get them where they want to go. And that will ultimately help them in their immigration process. How amazing is that? Just to say it again, that a place that would advocate constantly, a bunch of politicians who advocate constantly for let's open up the border, let's let this uh, be a humanitarian conversation and not a conversation about anything else. Even though even as a humanitarian conversation, there's a significant flaw in any sort of logic that says we have to allow for illegal immigration, per se. But I digress. Uh, We can move away from that. 
the minute that anyone starts actually moving the individuals uh, who those states say they cannot handle, we cannot handle this. Our border towns are overrun uh, with people that we can't support. This is an issue. We're not trying to scream and yell about anything that you guys deem to be racism. Although I continue to say and will always say on any form of radio uh, that illegal immigration can't possibly be a policy. Illegal anything can't be a policy. You can't roll in, you know, to some sort of meeting and be like, ah, let's just allow for that to happen uh, legally. That'll be great. That's the best case scenario. Uh, But when you actually start sending individuals to the places that are advocating for this, uh, they are begging for additional help. It sounds a whole lot like finally understanding the problem in a different way and a genius move uh, by places that decide to do this, like Texas. Uh, It seems like an absolute uh, win in the sense of you now get what we've been saying and why we're saying this problem is so severe here at home. All right, let's move on to this. Uh, Biden's Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen under Biden's plan will get rid of oil and gas. That's what she said again recently. It is amazing how often this narrative and actually gas prices are starting to creep back up again. Uh, So it's amazing how often this narrative is used and then I guess just ignored later whenever anyone says that it's not our fault uh, that gas prices are a problem under this administration compared to the last one. Our plan powered by the Inflation Reduction Act represents the largest investment in fighting climate change in our country's history. And it will put us well on our way toward a future where we depend on the wind, the sun, and other clean sources of energy. We will rid ourselves from our current dependence on fossil fuel. It'll be gone. It'll be over, guys. You won't have to worry about it anymore. It'll be a thing of the past. Uh, Here's another problem and a problem that gets talked about often in the world of energy. All of those uh, types of energy she just mentioned, not as reliable as burning coal, not as reliable as doing the things that we normally do to create energy. So it's interesting. And especially, and I think this bears continuing to talk about, When you mention brownouts, when you mention all the things going on just this year, just right now in the world of, hey, our energy grid can't handle stuff, so we're going to have to shut it down for a bit. And we're not reliant on the unreliable. Uh, We are capable of creating that energy in a more um, consistent way. And even still, uh, we are struggling with some of those things. So just picture that world where all of a sudden this energy, this unreliable version of, of daily energy just isn't created enough and everyone's sitting at home with their electric vehicles unable to even charge them. Uh, That's the world we're barreling toward. And for some reason, the world that some in the world of politics, at least, are so happy to talk about, are so happy to brag about and so happy to say, look, this is what we're going to do. It's going to be amazing. You're all going to love it. Uh, And when we do it alone, the last thing I'll say on this, and we're going to move on to some other stuff. uh, When we do this alone, when we're the only country uh, pushing as hard as, as we are, or at least some politicians trying to shove us in a certain direction, and no one else changes anything, uh, the world does not, in fact, get better. That's not how that works. Uh, we can't do this alone. We can't be the only country that chooses to reduce our, our uh, emissions and then think that things get better, especially when some other countries inevitably ramp stuff up. Uh, when some other countries say, you know what, there seems to be an opportunity now in the energy space. Why don't we go chase it? Why don't we go after it? Uh, That seems to be something that I think is valuable yet again to at least touch on just a bit. Uh, One last thing I wanted to talk about uh, before we take a quick break here. I'm sorry again for any technology issues early on in the show. Um, But I think that it's interesting that 
well, two things are interesting about this story. First, uh, former President Trump, of course, dealing with the Mar-a-Lago raid and all the different things that are coming out of that. Uh, the special master ruling allowing someone to view all of the different documents that were taken to decide whether or not any of those documents actually provide special privilege uh, to uh, it's well, uh, essentially anything that he was right to have. I think the best way to say it is that the special master would go through all the records and see if there was anything that they believe the FBI took they shouldn't have taken. Uh, and I think that's a valuable step in this process, to say the least. But anyway, and I know that was a simplistic explanation of that, by the way. Anyone who's a legal expert and yelling at the radio right now, it's the easiest way I could explain it. Uh, but here, so what I think is interesting now is that Trump reacts to every moment happening through Truth Social, and Truth Social gets picked up, those um, uh, communications, by all the news organizations. So why is he banned from Twitter? That would be my first question in all of this. He's getting his message out now, creating his own social media platform, even if you don't think it's anywhere near as successful, and I'll admit it probably isn't, as the other ones, is doing exactly the thing that I think was valuable in the first place to do here. So he's getting to respond. Now, the second part of it from his, his Truth Social posts uh, was some references to whether or not the FBI would, would plant any sort of documents. And I don't think he was quite as specific uh, about it being just about himself. I think he was actually in his message saying kind of wide-ranging the FBI plants fake evidence um, and then referring to himself. Uh, but it is interesting. And I wonder if it's a narrative and an argument that will come up a lot in this, because as we find out more information and here's all I'll, I'll say and all I've been saying about every part of the Mar-a-Lago thing, you got to wait. This is a slam dunk for somebody. This could be a slam dunk for the former president. Everything could be completely crap and everything that they did could be seen politically motivated but we've got to wait till we get as much information as humanly possible. All the stuff comes out. But if there is something something incredibly damaging at some point that is reported, it would be a convenient way to handle that, to say that that was planted there. I don't know for sure that it wouldn't be. I'm just saying that uh, I remember the story and anyone that would feel very strongly that, of course, uh, something could be planted in this situation I remember uh, that early on, they talked about how the lawyers weren't allowed to be present, how they asked to turn off the cameras, even though uh, all the reports I saw said that they didn't uh, turn off cameras there. So I, I know that that uh, essential narrative, that idea could take hold. I just wonder how we'll be able to evaluate it correctly, um, because it is a valuable excuse, as is being pointed out by a lot of mainstream media, uh, if in fact there was something that shouldn't have been at Mar-a-Lago that was there, or a lot of stuff that shouldn't be there that was there. But I just think it's interesting more so than debating whether or not that's true or a, a way to deny uh, any wrongdoing, uh, that all of those messages are just getting back out into the world now. The ones that Twitter and social media thought were so scary and damaging that we can't possibly have this on our platform. Uh, there's no reason now to keep him banned from anything or to ban anyone, I guess, essentially, if you just launch your own platform. Although I take that back. I feel like in some extreme cases, terrorists and whatnot, they deserve to be banned. Although actually, as I say that, I realize that there are some terrorists that are still on the social media platforms that we banned our former president from. And on that note, I'll take a quick break. This is Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. Oh, one last thing. Chad, the hardest working guy in all of radio, has a message for you even when he has a day off. I'm always impressed with his work ethic. Here he is with a message about Eden Pure. 
Hey, there's only one way I know how to get rid of odors in a matter of seconds, and that's with the best-selling Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier. The Thunderstorm Air Purifier uses proven oxy technology that quickly destroys viruses, odors, mold, and more. Plus, musty, mildewy smells vanish after just a few seconds when the thunderstorm is on. With over 200,000 already sold, you know it works. The Thunderstorm tackles odors from litter boxes, trash cans, cigarette smoke, dirty diapers, and more. And best of all, there are no filters to buy. Right now, save $200 on an Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack for whole home protection. With this special offer, you can put one in your basement, bedroom, family room, kitchen, everywhere. You need clean, fresh air. Go to EdenPureDeals.com and put in discount code CHAD3 to save $200 and get free shipping on the Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack. That's EdenPureDeals.com, discount code CHAD3. Breathe better with the Thunderstorm Air Purifier by Eden Pure. EdenPureDeals.com, discount code CHAD3. Reverence? Um, like, yeah. So what? It's the Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Uh, a couple things that I thought were interesting out there in the world. Uh, the first one is a TikToker who now has a uh, pizza place. And I say now has a pizza place with air quotes. I know it's radio, so you can't see him. Here is some of the audio of this guy and his genius move in the world of DoorDash specifically. I am surprised that this is the first time I've heard of anything like this because it kind of makes sense, right? If you can successfully create, and here's what he's going to say, a fake pizza company and then find a way to provide your own pizza through DoorDash to anyone who buys it, you can make all the money. You can make the money for the delivery and you can make the money for the food product itself. So here's a guy bragging about his life hack that might be working I'm not sure how popular his pizza company is. I just opened up a pizza restaurant on DoorDash, but what they don't know is that I'll be selling frozen Walmart pizzas out of my kitchen. First, I ordered a bunch of pizza boxes <laughs> with our logo on it because we had to look professional. After that. I went to Walmart to buy other frozen pizzas, so I went home and set up a few things in the tablet DoorDash sent me, and our restaurant was live. We started getting orders fast, but the DoorDash drivers were mad at how long it was taking. But somehow, at the end of it all, everyone left five-star reviews on the pizza, so I guess it worked. <laughs> It's amazing, uh, by the way, that he'd be like, yeah, no, it'll be totally fine. I'll handle this myself. I won't have any issues. It'll be great. And everybody will love it. Uh, here's one other one real quick, too. Uh, this is a couple of Wendy's workers that came up with a hack for how to take some time off for a day. Uh, and I thought it was a pretty interesting move as well. While they were driving through here, she dropped him off. He exited the vehicle. He placed the shunt on the track. He got back in the car with her, and they proceeded to Wendy's. During the interview, they told us that their intentions were that if the gates could malfunction and they could somehow block traffic, then that would prevent people from being able to get to Wendy's, and they could have a slow night at work. How crazy is that move, by the way? And I wonder how many times two people, coworkers together, talk this through. They're like, man, you know what would be great? If we could just block access to Wendy's via this one train track, nobody's going to come to work for us. Nobody's going to order any food. We're going to have a great night. We're going to hang out. It's not our fault. So Ryan and Amy, the two people that decide to do this, uh, go ahead and shut things down. Uh, there's a couple things about this story that I actually think are quite interesting. The selfishness of the move to screw up everybody else's day. Anybody that's using that train, I don't even know if it's a commuter service or not. Anybody that's trying to get anywhere other than Wendy's, all of that, just to have a lazy day at work. Uh, you've probably heard at this point about something called quiet quitting. That's where a whole lot of young people brag on social media about how little work they're doing at the job they don't want anymore, but they refuse to quit the job 
This is a whole new level of that, in my opinion, a whole new level of being insane. When did we get to a place where if you had a job like you work at a Wendy's, uh, in the case of Ryan and Amy, at least, because I'm not trying to be specific about any one gig, I think in the world of quiet quitting, a bunch of young people are, are saying, screw this, to a whole variety of jobs. But when did we get to a place where you demanded to be so lazy? It was so necessary to still get a paycheck, but do almost nothing at the place you're getting a paycheck that we do stuff like this. When did this become a thing uh, that happens as often as it does? I think not, I guess, uh, shutting down a train, but just any version of trying to essentially steal money from companies and have jobs that you don't want. I wonder if there's some version of, and maybe it's existed all along. Maybe I'm wrong to think that it's gotten so much worse now, but I think there's some version of social media, living a life on the internet, all of that stuff, the demand by so many, especially younger workers to work from home. All of these things have created a lazier society, a society that doesn't understand the value of a hard day's work. Uh, A lot of people seem not to at all. Uh, And that I think is a danger and one that maybe we didn't talk about as much when we're shutting down the country, sending everybody home, uh, that some people would be like, yeah, now this is the only way I'll work and I won't do anything else. All right, quick break. A lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. The Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Chad is back on Monday. Thrilled to be with you. Uh, I saw a story at Axios, um, which is a website that covers a whole bunch of uh, political stories and other things. Uh, And I think they do it predominantly in the middle, maybe a little bit on the left, uh, to say the very least. But I thought it was interesting Uh, that one of the stories they're covering is about how companies are quietly dropping vaccine mandates. Uh, These are some companies who were not so quiet uh, when they added vaccine (laughs) mandates for employees uh, for their place of work. Uh, Now those companies are like, "Eh, let's just get rid of that policy. Uh, It seems to not make sense anymore. I was uh, sort of surprised first and foremost, and this is the intention and the um, essentially the way the story is pointing out that it's quiet, that companies still had this. I don't know if you work at a place uh, or I worked at a place uh, where they asked you to prove that you were vaccinated and not necessarily because they actually intended to uh, fire you, uh, at least the place I was at. uh, They didn't necessarily say that there was anything that was required yet other than proving that you were vaccinated just to give them that that understanding. Uh, And I think it is interesting that we've gotten to where we've gotten in all of this. Uh, The pandemic is a thing that I'm sure to most people is definitely in our rearview window uh, for better or worse, uh, the way that they talk about it on on a mainstream media is that it's not over. It's not over. It's not over. But uh, I don't know. It seems as though we're living in the world now where essentially it's over. I will say this. I was traveling recently. I know I brought this up uh, last time I was in for Chad. I was traveling recently. I was in Mexico and they still had mask mandates a lot of places uh, that I went, but sort of in a hilarious way where you would walk through a hallway with the mask on and then you'd get to some sort of venue at the end of the hallway and the mask could come right back off 
uh, the same kind of argument we had about, say, restaurants and anything else here in our society. It just seems odd. It seems that it's almost at this point, some of those things and how we talk about them and maybe even the vaccine mandate stuff for the companies. Uh, they're now quietly dropping it. It was all just more about the mentality of any of this than any of the science of any of it, because it, it does seem as though it, right now, and I don't think we see a lot of this here in the United States, if you are around someone who's still afraid or worried or concerned, uh, they still might get a little upset if you don't do whatever they think you should do. But I think that's just the, the mental component taking a strong hold. All right, I want to move on. Other stuff out there. Uh, North Korea has made a interesting move in the world of just how they would do a nuclear strike. Uh, this is a story that's out there a few different places. Uh, Kim Jong-un pushed to have what I guess is a parliament there uh, that has no power, that doesn't really do anything he doesn't want them to do, uh, to go ahead and automate a country's um, response to any sort of attack on Kim Jong-un or his, quote, holdings in the capital. If that were to happen, uh, the North Korea now apparently has cleared the idea that they would strike back via nuclear force. Uh, this is something that I don't know how how realistic any of that is and how much of it is just the the continued blustering of a person that says a lot of uh, very strong and extreme stuff. It, it is interesting that I will say this about all this, because one of the things uh, that seems to have been something that former President Trump may have kept with him uh, were letters from Kim Jong-un about those uh, communications that they would have. And uh, whether or not, and I don't think the United States truly fears a North Korea, I think we'd be afraid of of any sort of uh, beginnings of a fight because we wouldn't want to be in a nuclear war, but we would certainly defeat a country like that. Uh, I'm just saying all of this because it, it seems to be valuable to go back and remember that when the other president was in charge, when Trump was in office, uh, that finding some sort of way to have peace uh, with North Korea uh, is probably better than stories like this uh, being out there in the world. Although I, I wonder, and I guess maybe this goes back to the thing I was just saying a second ago, and I just mean this candidly. And as a as an everyday, just regular guy, I don't walk around worrying about North Korea. Uh, so I imagine how many people this story just is. Well, all right, whatever. Uh, that country says a lot of crazy stuff, and we know that we're a much more powerful country. So it is what it is. Uh, but I wonder, uh, just on a a political stage, uh, when any of those sort of conversations come up, is this the kind of thing that would be something else mentioned? Uh, say, if someone is running office. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I can't really provide the answer to the question, uh, but I do think it's interesting. All right. Uh, Chicago's mayor, Lori Lightfoot, is busing migrants uh, to nearby areas not in Chicago, the suburbs essentially, without informing people in the suburbs that she's sending those who are, who are coming from Texas. Uh, Governor Greg Abbott has been someone who's advocated a lot uh, for, and actually, you know what my favorite thing is? And I'll play the audio. We'll grab it in a second. Um, I had it a little bit earlier, but Lori Lightfoot actually said recently uh, that she would take everybody, uh, that she would uh, rent the buses herself uh, to let people come into the uh, city of Chicago uh, if they're going to be sent there from other places. Uh, so, like, no need. Please uh, go ahead and, and help us help you uh, by letting us go ahead and take these uh, individuals that you're saying you can't uh, help, you can't support, and let's bring them here to Chicago where we'll give them whatever it is they're in need of, even though they're here illegally. Uh, and now, apparently, quietly moving them out of the city. That's amazing. Uh, all these things are amazing. Because honestly, and here, I know I'm talking about this a lot in the first hour of the show. It's just there's so many stories out there right now about that uh, a conflict, whatever you want to call it, the move by Texas and then the response by places like D.C. and Chicago. What's amazing about all of this 
is what it truly proves more than anything else is how the narrative or the the sales pitch is so much more important than the reality. And everyone should realize that. And I think a lot of people do. Uh, a lot of surveys say that most Americans think that the political system is rigged, uh, that it's not in their favor. Uh, but the, the truth in all this is, even when they stand on an issue, and our president has been saying a lot recently that the fight right now going on, that the Republicans are terrible people and the Democrats are the good guys. Uh, that's been something that's been repeated again and again and again, uh, because the truth is all that matters is that you believe the words coming out of their mouth are the words that that you, you know, um, uh, would say yourself or the things that you hold dear, the values you have. It doesn't matter if they actually do any or even care at all, uh, because the thing is, and I feel like there's been a bunch of stories recently that prove this. They don't care. Uh, neither side, I think, truly cares about some of those um, social justice issues that they might take on or might talk about. And certainly Democrats do a lot more of that. Uh, but they, it's not actually something that their day to day, their lives, uh, to go back to my example about North Korea and most of America walking around, not really uh, losing sleep at night, thinking about North Korea. Most of these elite politicians don't lose sleep at night thinking about any of the things that they go out and scream about on television. So it's just it's interesting to me to see this again and again and again in the world of just the ridiculous hypocrisy. One other thing that's out there, and I guess it's a it's a bigger story, uh, certainly uh, some places than others, uh, but a South Carolina Democrat, someone running to be a state representative, uh, Crystal Matthews, is facing a huge public uh, push, uh, and she's uh, trying to unseat uh, Republican Senator Tim Scott, uh, but she is facing a huge push to just drop out. Uh, apparently, there's been a whole bunch of controversy around this person, information and things that have been found uh, that even ask um, that even uh, create a world where Democrats are saying we got to find another representative. We got to move on from this individual, the leaked audio and things that are out there. It just seems like and I think Project Veritas was behind some of that. It seems like this is not the person for us. And what I really love about that and the only reason I bring it up in this segment um, before we take a break in a couple minutes is just that it kind of reinforces the thing I've been saying uh, all along, is that you go out and you say the thing. Yeah, I wonder if this is how it works, actually. Here, this I'm going to assume it's this way. You're like, I want to be a politician. What do I do? And then maybe you work up at the lower levels, and at some point, the big um, organization uh, that you're going after, the political party uh, that you're trying to be a part of, sends you the talking points. And they're all the talking points, and they see who performs the talking points the best. And then that person gets in office, hopefully gets in office again and gets up the ladder. It's really just following a script. And you know what's insane about that is at some point in my life, I did uh, sales calls. I did um, uh, indoor sales and I would make phone calls. And every company I worked at and I worked at a few uh, while trying to make my way in radio would give you a script. And then you'd read the script over and over again to each customer. And you'd try to find a way to, to make it work, to get somebody to buy a thing. That's essentially all politics is now for the most part. And then the other part of it, besides just getting the script and doing the talking points, is making sure that you don't have anything really terrible uh, hidden from worldview, hidden from public view that can come out and ruin you as a politician. Uh, that system is essentially incredibly broken, just incredibly, incredibly broken. And it creates these moments for people like this. And one thing I would say, and this is just a, a, a mention and it's probably not at all a new take, it's probably a boring take to some, but it's valuable to repeat, is the reason I think former President Trump is so successful 
The reason that he's had so many people that wind up supporting him, I think I saw another study that two in three Republicans want him to run for office still, no matter what happens, even if a crime is committed and he is charged with a crime, two out of three Republicans are like, yeah, that's still the guy. Uh, And the reason why I think that'd be true for so many is just it's so utterly different than all this stuff. It's not all talking points. I'm sure there's a bunch of talking points in there uh, all the time for this president, but there's a whole lot of off the cuff, regular person things. And so I just I wonder more and more, especially as we see our current president take this uh, random turn to be much more uh, critical uh, in a, a uh, I think, damaging way, in a way that's, that's weird in our society. And weird's probably not the right word. It's something uh, stronger than that. But this president now is trying to essentially vilify everyday people uh, that support the political aisle that he's not, the political side he's not on. And I think that's as, as bad or worse than anything anyone else is accused of doing in the world of politics. And I think it's just so, so certainly uh, it demonstrates to me the reason why people who don't do the talking points and don't have them more, because honestly, here's the last thing I'll say. I know I'm stumbling around this, but I just, I, I love the idea so much that uh, Biden essentially is a puppet and a lot of people believe that. And he's been given new talking points and he's doing the new script and he's doing it the democratic way. And he's trying not to do it the way that's, that's Biden so much. And at some point, maybe that'll click in. But it just shows that at any level, uh, and certainly I don't think Biden's been a, a person that's done a lot of things on his own. He's had a lot of help along the way. Uh, but at any level, you just eventually get the new talking points from the team and you do those. And so none of these individuals, a whole bunch of them, are just not authentic people at all. And I think that's what Trump really does differently. Uh, and I know that that probably is, again, a boring take, but it's just interesting to see again and again and again the same thing play out. All right, I want to take a break. A lot more coming up in a bit. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. But even when Chad's off, he's one of the hardest working guys in all radio. Here he is with a message about Rough Greens. Yes, you've heard me say it a dozen times now. Dog food is dead food. Truth is, naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black created Rough Greens because of his love and concern for dogs. A former Airborne Ranger, a Green Beret, and a helicopter pilot. But now, he's truly on a new mission. He created Rough Greens to help dogs who are struggling with itching and scratching, bad breath, digestive and elimination problems, and low energy. Rough Greens is packed with 20 vitamins and minerals, 20 different digestive enzymes, 15 probiotics, omega oils, and tons of antioxidants. My dog is proof that it works, and he wants to prove it to you, too. He's offering a free Jumpstart trial bag so your dog can try it. All you have to do is pay for shipping. That's it. You don't even have to change your dog's food. Just sprinkle in a small scoop every day. Go to roughgreens.com slash chat. Hey, if my dog could talk, he'd tell you to order your dog his own free Jumpstart trial bag. Go to ruffgreens.com slash chat. If you like talk radio like Chad Benson likes his meals, you've come to the perfect place for takeout. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Chad is back on Monday. Thrilled to be with you uh, just before the weekend. Uh, I'd love to um, just think about for a second uh, the world in which no one cared at all when Apple products came out anymore. Not because I don't like them. I actually have a crap ton of Apple products uh, around me at all times. Uh, I buy a lot of this stuff. Uh, But there was a story out just the other day, I don't know if you saw it, about the brand new iPhone, the iPhone 14. 
and how it's totally different. Uh, then I think like the daughter of Steve Jobs crapped on it. Uh, one of many people that said it's basically just another iteration of the same thing. I think Elon Musk was out there saying that they're trying to get more satellite technology in the iPhone and that that's pretty cool. All of these stories uh, pale in comparison, though, to the amount of people that are mad that just some features of the brand new phone are on the most expensive version of the phone. Uh, apparently, there's some bells and whistles things that are not available on all of the different cell phones out by Apple. And I can tell you what they are. I just I don't want to do it. I, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. They're all in front of me. And I feel like I'm just creating more of that same problem. If I go into the world of like, well, it has this. And then the, the fancy one has this. Uh, but it's just a phone. You know what? I got to be honest. I saw somebody that had the Samsung flip phone thing, which is the um, it's the smartphone. It's got the screen, but it folds in half. And that was sweet. That was the first time in a long time I've seen something in the world of a cell phone that I don't have, that I don't see a lot of people have, that is totally different and new. And it might not be better. All the technology inside the thing that folds and opens might be way worse than the stuff inside the Apple iPhone 14, but I think I want it more. I think I want something that I can squish in half and then all of a sudden not have squished in half. I don't know why. I think that's all that we are as people. I think the original iPhones were cool because they were so utterly different than anything else you could put in your pocket because you could touch the screen, but now we've gotten bored. So they needed to do some honest, like actually here's the last idea. And then I totally will move on from this topic. Apple should stop trying to make the technology in the phone better. That's what they should do to sell more phones. And I mean this seriously. They should just make it do something ridiculous that phones don't already do. I don't know what that is. I don't know if it would like go fetch a ball for you if you threw a ball and the iPhone could chase it. But I feel like that would be more likely to sell better. You'd have people sleeping outside the stores again if you just did something nuts. If like it could take off and be a drone for 20 minutes and then come back down that's the kind of thing we want now. The technology needs to be no better. The camera needs to get no better. Every time they put out a new phone, they're like, and now the camera does a bunch of additional stuff. And I can't tell you the last time I used an iPhone camera and thought to myself, thank God it has this additional feature or this additional clarity. They've been pretty good for a while, guys. We can move on to other stuff. I feel like I just uh, unlocked a whole new verb. I'm going to do that. I'm going to make phones that are inherently worse technology-wise, but have really cool features, and I think I'm going to be a billionaire very, very quickly. I saw this story. I thought it was interesting. A nurse went on social media. She went viral for it for saying that she received training. I think she's out of Seattle for what to say to parents of an ugly baby. This is a real thing that's out there in the world. I don't know that I've seen a lot of like truly ugly babies. Uh, and then actually the day you're born is probably your ugliest day. I would just say that of all of us. And I don't mean that mean. I'm sure there's a lot of love, a lot of things that happen the minute you see your child born. At the same time, they're probably not looking their best in that moment. I, I assume that that's not the best moment for everybody. And if it is, if you look amazing from jump, well, I give you a lot of credit. Uh, but if, if an ugly baby is born, uh, this nurse was told to say, Oh, they look just like you. If it's a cute baby, if it's a baby that they think is actually uh, whatever uh, those words might be, you just use the real words, the things you're thinking. Oh, how cute or whatever it might, uh, whatever they might say. Uh, in this case, though, if there's someone, if it's a baby that you think is, is on the other side, uh, then you just say they look so much like their parents, which is a double insult, by the way. That's mean all around because apparently the training is if the baby's ugly, we're just going to assume that the parents probably aren't the most uh, uh, attractive people either. So you just say how, how uh, wonderful, how much you look alike. 
I wonder if that's you say it, even if that's not true. Like maybe the, the parents are the most amazing looking people in all of society. And just for some reason, uh, this child, again, on its worst day, uh, doesn't look the way that you'd think that they would. Uh, but it's an interesting approach, a viral approach, and something I don't necessarily recommend anybody does now that we know about it. All right, quick break, a lot more. Greg Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. This is The Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff as always to talk about. I do want to play this audio. I find it fairly interesting. Uh, This is our president, President Biden. Uh, He is saying, essentially alluding to the idea, uh, and there are going to be states now that will allow voters to decide uh, whether or not a ban on abortion or limitations on abortion makes sense. Uh, Democrats seem to believe, and certainly our president, based on this message, message seems to believe that all women will vote a certain way, uh, that it'll be like a slam dunk. Uh, you put it on a ballot somewhere and everybody will vote this one direction and nobody else will vote the other way. What I think is amazing about this audio that I want to play, and I'm a, a dude in my 30s who probably doesn't understand every part of this conversation and is willing to admit that uh, for anyone that gets mad, uh, but to be entirely honest, I feel like we just misunderstand the conversation itself sometimes. Have you ever in your life talked to a woman who believed in restrictions on abortion? Because I have. I've talked to a bunch of women. My grandmother would be one of those women uh, who's a very Catholic person because faith, and I know our president claims to be a man of faith, has a huge part in this discussion. Uh, One so much so that when the Supreme Court made its decision, that, again, did not ban abortion, but actually allowed for states and voters to have a lot more power in that discussion. A lot of people's talking points were how dare we allow faith to govern our society. But now it's not about faith. Now the question is simply, at least to our president, how obvious it'll be, how wrong people are. And I I just think this topic is so misunderstood. Uh, And I imagine that some of you listening might tell me I'm wrong and some might say I'm absolutely right depending on who you are, what your beliefs are. But I think it's one of those things, and I know I've seen some data and uh, some data and some studies on this, that if you have the opinion that you think is not the majority one, and some uh, headlines make us believe that there's a significant majority opinion here, but then if you dive a little bit deeper than those headlines into the data, that opinion fluctuates much more than we think. But if you don't have a majority opinion, there's a lot of people who just keep quiet. And I think it'll be interesting to see this actually on ballots for um, people to vote on whether or not they believe in more or less restriction, because it might open the eyes of a lot of people as to just how nuanced this conversation still is. But here is the president saying how it's going to be surprising and how Republicans just uh, totally underestimate the power of the woman. Republicans have awakened a powerful force in this nation. Women. W.O.W. No, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. Those of your lawyers, read the decision. Okay, I got to stop it for a second, though, because I am confused. Um, he said the power of women, and then he started to spell a word, and that word was W-O-W. 
Um, so I wonder if he was going to finish with uh, women or if he was going to finish with something else because he wasn't going a great direction uh, the way he was going. But here, let's go. I don't know if he just wanted to spell wow out there. And I, it's fine. Uh, wow, Mr. President, let's continue. And the court says that women have a right to vote to change this if they don't like it at the state level. Well, guess what, pal? Here you come. Here you come. Republicans don't have a clue about the power of women. Not a clue. Let me tell you something. They're about to find out. You know what's so sad about this, to be entirely honest for just a second? And this is going to be as, um, I don't know, as, as honest as I can possibly be. And I know I've talked about this before, so it's probably not shocking to anybody who's ever heard me fill in uh, for Chad. But I am Catholic. I, I have faith. And a lot of people in our society don't anymore, uh, especially young people. Study after study says that the amount of people who identify with any religion whatsoever is smaller and smaller all the time. And I think that this is one of the best moments, one of the best examples of our president not understanding the faith that he claims to have, because I don't think the issue will wind up being men all think that abortion is okay. Women all think abortion is wrong. I think that's an utterly flawed and almost um, a laughably ignorant position to have. And the actual truth is that a whole lot of people on both sides of the sexes will have differing opinions on this kind of thing. And one of those reasons will simply be religion. Uh, and whether or not we say that changing laws is allowing our society to be governed by religion, well, uh, some religious beliefs are so powerful that they are, in fact, also laws, not because uh, they're religious beliefs, I would say, things like killing somebody, not okay in religion, not okay in our, in our society. And that is essentially the crux of the actual argument. When is a baby a somebody? Uh, and I, I won't go any further than that. I won't advocate to you. I'm not going to turn this into a, a Catholic Craig uh, part of, uh, version of a show uh, for a while. I just believe that it's so interesting to try to pivot that conversation to be anti-women or pro-women as opposed to something I think it definitely actually is. And out of all the groups of people, uh, and I, it's probably silly to point it out this way, but I think it's still valuable that might feel the most marginalized, most feel might feel the most like you got to stay quiet at this moment. The people that Biden might be silencing, and this is a conversation we talk about all the time in the world of Trump and the things he said and the people that we think he hates and then how uh, those people are, are prosecuted for their hate, uh, for that uh, version of things. The people that might be most silenced by a Biden, religious women, uh, Catholic or other religious women. I just say Catholic because that's what I am who believe a certain thing because of the faith they have that now feel as though somehow they're anti-woman. Uh, that is an interesting pivot in all of this conversation. And a lot of people might show up and vote a certain direction. Well, you don't hear about it as much. I don't know. Maybe it will be a slam dunk. Maybe a whole lot of people will say that there are um, a lot of uh, reasons that abortion is something that doesn't need a lot of restrictions and it is a, a woman's issue. And I'm not going to tell you again that it's not to an extent. Um, but at the same time, I just think it's so valuable to think about who actually is being uh, talked down the most, something that happens all the time when the left evaluates the talking points of the right. Uh, and I don't know that the right does it as, as much, uh, but it does seem to be worth mentioning. All right. I want to play this audio again. Uh, this is a Democratic uh, uh, or council member out of D.C. complaining about how so many people are being sent to that uh, city right now on buses, illegal immigrants that are coming into Texas. Governor Abbott is sending them to the places, uh, to the cities, to the leaders 
who say how horrible it is to do anything other than allow people to come into our country illegally. And a couple other quick things before I play this audio. And I don't know why I might be in a woke mood as a 30 something millennial today, but I just want to preface with my resume so you understand where I'm coming from on this. And you don't start to say, man, that guy who filled in for Chad's a racist. I'm married to a a Mexican woman born and raised in Mexico, have a bunch of family members from Mexico. I've had valuable conversations uh, sometimes with my wife translating stuff uh, into Spanish and into English for me uh, with my family members about illegal immigration and what my wife did, which is actually legal immigration. She has all the rights that you're supposed to have for being in a country that she's in because she did it the way that was actually allowed uh, to happen. And I will tell you that one of the biggest things that I hear from people in Mexico is just how difficult it is for anyone to actually have a a fair, valuable uh, life here in our country without any rights. Uh, Things like being terrified of being pulled over for, um, I don't know, having your light out on your car because it might lead you to being uh, removed from our country because you're here illegally. And I don't think we talk about it that way. I'm not advocating for illegal immigration, by the way. And I know some of my family members, that's probably not a top concern, but it's not their country that's being uh, challenged by some of the things that are happening. Uh, but I just think it's interesting that when you talk about it, uh, people from the other side of the, the border would tell you that, yeah, no, anyone that they uh, have heard is contemplating something like that. One of the conversations that comes up is just how difficult it is to actually uh, live here in this country illegally uh, because of all the different challenges that go into it. Um, but here, again, is the Democratic D.C. council member uh, saying uh, how ridiculous it is that they're dealing with the challenge they're dealing with and how they've learned and essentially their border country uh, or border city now, which is hilariously wrong. Uh, but all of it is complaining about a thing that they advocate for daily. So it's been said, but it's worth reiterating that the governors of Texas and Arizona have created this crisis and the federal government has not. Even just calling it a crisis is amazing, right? They've created it because we've advocated for them to have a thing that they can't handle. And now that they can't handle it and they're sending uh, the individuals that they can't deal with to places like uh, like our place, even though we've been telling them from jump that they have to do this thing. Well, now it's terrible. And now the government's got to step in and help us. Please, please help us. Not stepped up to assist the District of Columbia. So we... Um, along with our regional partners, we'll do what we've always done. We'll rise to the occasion. We learned from border towns like El Paso and Brownsville. Um, And in many ways, the governors of Texas and Arizona have turned us into a border town. We don't know how long this will take to resolve. We don't know how long they will continue busing. And so the right thing to do here is to be prepared to ensure we can greet every bus. How would you feel here? Let me ask you this simple question. And I I doubt many of us can actually put ourselves in the shoes. Uh, How would you feel as someone who who got into this country illegally? Maybe for the right reasons. And I know that that sounds uh, wrong because there really aren't any right reasons to do an illegal thing. Uh, But maybe the one that people are the most uh, willing to understand in our society, Uh, someone with a family, uh, someone who's struggling to to make uh, do where they live, and they just think an opportunity exists in our country, if they can get here, they're not someone who would do anything illegal or wrong outside of sneak into the country. They're not someone who would commit another crime, but they're someone who just wants to be here. And then you you hear on television when Biden takes office that you might have your opportunity to come to our country now. And absolutely, that's the reason we're seeing the border overrun with people 
trying to get in is the leniency that they think exists now compared to past presidents, compared to Trump. You get into the country, the people in Texas put you on a really nice bus, probably the type of bus you don't ride a lot if you're someone that actually fits that narrative of you just couldn't make the money to support your family in whatever impoverished country you come from. So you sit on this amazing bus with the family. You get to the city where they're saying that you're welcome uh, from jump, the place that you've thought that you could go the whole time. And then you watch the politicians in that place uh, do the saddest press conference ever about how difficult it's going to be to deal with you uh, standing there and being a part of the brand new place uh, that you just got to. It's amazing the tone of it to advocate for a thing, again, that complicates so many parts of the way in which societies and smaller towns operate to have a lot of people that you don't really know anything about uh, that are now uh, looking for uh, help and assistance. And then you go to the big city and they start to complain about how bad things get. I just think that's tremendously interesting to contemplate that existence, that version of events. And then again, and I, I say this selfishly to compare it to my wife, who went through the whole process to become a citizen, uh, took the test, was very proud the day that she got her paperwork that said she was an American and someone who really likes to travel between the country she was born and raised in Mexico and the country she lives in now, the United States, because even that right is something that's simplistic to her. And anyone that you would talk about that tries to sneak into our country illegally, uh, if they succeed, they can't go back. So all of a sudden you can't go see family and friends and interact with them because it's not something that you can do easily. And if you do do it again, then you got to sneak back again. You're trusting these cartels, these criminals, uh, these people who uh, rape and kill people. Uh, those are the people who, who the criminal syndicate that is in charge of helping uh, someone get across the border. And you just hope to be lucky twice if you do trust those individuals and not. And I use this as an example. And I don't even know what people think I'm advocating for at this point. But I promise you, I think that illegal immigration needs to go away. Uh, you wind up being a person trapped in a truck who dies. Uh, because, of course, you remember that story, 50 people in the back of a truck that um, I think almost all of them died. A uh, few people survived somehow, which is amazing, when they were left there for hours in a hot day and actually uh, pass away because of the heat inside the back of a vehicle. Uh, some cartel, some narco, some human trafficker person was driving that vehicle and just abandoned it. That's how little the people who, quote unquote, help you do the thing you shouldn't be doing uh, care about you when they get you into the country. That's how little they actually um, value human life and how much they just value the money they make off of all of this. It's disgusting. It's horrible. And again, it's something that people out of uh, D.C., the politicians who are advocating for the border towns to keep all the illegal immigrants and not send them to our state are essentially telling everyday people to risk, risk your life, uh, risk all of these different other things. And then eventually at the end of all of it, uh, live in a place where every day uh, you don't necessarily have the rights you're supposed to have to keep living. And I think that's why legal immigration is so important and illegal immigration is so bad. Not just the stuff we say about the challenges to our society, to our system, to our structure, but actually the way in which for the people coming into any country illegally, it's not so great for them. And I feel like that's not talked about again last time, overly repeating it. Uh, that's not talked about enough. All right. Uh, Chad is the hardest working guy in all of radio. Uh, so even when he's He's off. He's doing stuff. Here he is with a message about Rough Greens. Folks, you're definitely going to want to get to know the founder of Rough Greens, naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black, because he knows nutrition. And he's also the world's biggest all-time dog lover, which is why he created Rough Greens. He knows dogs need nutrition, too. But you've heard me say it many times. Dog food is dead food. 
And it's kind of embarrassing because I thought I was giving my dog quality food. So here's what's important. If your dog is already showing signs of lower energy, achy joints, bad breath and odor, poor digestion and elimination, naturopathic doctor Dennis Black wants to make you an offer you can't refuse. If you want 100% natural vitamins and minerals, antioxidant, digestive enzymes, probiotics and omega oils, he's offering everyone a free jumpstart trial bag so your dog can try it. Yes, it's free. All you do is pay for shipping. And you don't have to change your dog's food. Just add a small scoop of Rough Greens to his diet every day. Simply go to roughgreens.com slash chat. That's R-U-F-F greens.com slash chat. Podcasts are American as hot dogs, apple pie, football, and sushi. Uh, uh, uh. Oh my god, no. Okay, maybe not sushi. Next time you have a craving for something sweet and tangy, download a Chad Benson Show podcast. Mm, boy, that is good. It's different because you get a little bit of saltiness. It's so good because it's sweet and salty at the same time. Get a taste on iTunes, iHeart, or Spotify and binge to your ears content. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Chad Benson Show. This is The Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Chad is back on Monday. Uh, just quickly, with a little bit of time before we take another break here, uh, the Queen, uh, Queen Elizabeth II, passed away yesterday. I'm sure you've probably heard of that by now. Uh, age 96, she was queen for 70 years. What I think is interesting about all of this and a lot of the, the coverage that exists in our country on it is that uh, the United States has a, has a weird history in the world of, say, maybe not liking um, monarchs and or the United Kingdom at one point. Uh, but I, I know it's not as important as big of a deal here. And I'm not uh, trying to criticize anyone for caring. The, the queen, uh, I think, is a, a significant story uh, when she she uh, passes away. But I wonder if that role will matter as much anymore. Uh, when you're in that uh, role for 70 years, when you're someone who I think at one point had more power than you have now, and now it transitions to your son who may not do much with it, I wonder if it's something that will just diminish in value even there. But that's a question without an answer. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. The Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. So much to talk about as always. Uh, Just quickly, NFL is back. Uh, Football is back and a lot of people very excited. Uh, I was walking my dog last night. I know this isn't important. Probably nobody cares, but I just want to say this quickly and we'll move on to more important things. And I saw this dude with just the most amazing setup. In his garage, he had three giant televisions, a few buddies over. They're all sitting in little like lawn chairs just outside of the garage, really enjoying the evening, watching the game. And I was just immediately jealous as a person, just immediately deflated that I don't have that exact setup. He's got a bunch of the neon signs throughout the whole garage, too. It felt like a bar. They're missing the bar area. I know that that's probably not something the missus wants him to put into the garage because then the cars won't fit. But at this point, 
you just got to do it. You just need the bar. Maybe you put at least one beer on tap. I feel like that's the only thing missing, but it was just the coolest thing to see. And I feel like it's something that was probably tremendously popular during the height of the pandemic for him and his buddies. Uh, now has just become a thing. Uh, and maybe he even uh, let it grow. I don't, I've only been in the community I'm in for about a year. The guy lives a couple blocks away from me. I am contemplating finding a way to be friends with that man just to experience a night watching football in that dude's garage. But anyway, let's move on. That came out weird as a sentence. And now that I'm thinking about it, that came out wrong. All right, let's move on to this. Uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House spokesperson, said some things, uh, some things that don't make sense, which is something she does often. Uh, a couple things that are weird now are the way in which Democrats will brag about making things better for us uh, in the world of any sort of cost of anything when they're the ones who made things really terrible for us for a while. And none of the numbers that we're talking about now, none of the inflation things, none of the energy prices have actually gone to a place where they're better than when these people took office. Uh, and what I love about this so much is our president was just out there the other day criticizing Republicans for taking credit for things that they vote against. Uh, these Democrats are taking credit for things that they destroyed and made horrible, and they're making them just slightly better, but still pretty terrible. But talking about it like they're doing a bunch of hard work to improve our lives. Here's a couple examples. Uh, we're going to continue to make sure we keep costs down for uh, for the American people. Yeah, they're going to just keep costs down for the American people. Here she is talking about the gas prices. Uh, it's uh, at $3.75 per gallon nationally. And uh, so we've done the work to do that. <laughs> we've done the work to do that uh, on both sides of that equation. We did the work to make it uh, more expensive than that. Now we're doing the work to make that price go back down. So we're, we're doing a great job. So really, uh, it's on you if you're upset with us at all. It's not on it's not on me or anything that I'm saying or thinking here. I want to transition to something else. And I'm contemplating, I have the audio. I'm contemplating not playing it because it's, it's a weird uh, discussion. Uh, and here's what I mean. And I, I hope you figure out why I think this is weird. So Chris Cuomo is a guy that's trying to be back out there in the world. Uh, Chris Cuomo, of course, fired uh, mostly because of all the things he did inappropriately. Uh, to work with his brother, who was in a very different type of controversy, um, but certainly someone who eventually then loses their job uh, for a few reasons. Uh, now uh, trying to resurface in several different ways, uh, back on television with one organization, uh, doing the Chris Cuomo Project, which I guess is a, a podcast and some other stuff, a vlog that's out there. But anyway, uh, while all this is going on, he talks about his drinking problem. He says things like, I drink often, and I definitely think it's not always for the right reason. It is interesting to see, excuse me, I get choked up on that, not on purpose. It's interesting to see uh, how a person tries to humanize themselves in light of a lot of controversy in order to try to get maybe back into the world. Uh, the way that I take this and the reason I'm not going to play this audio is not because a whole lot of people in different walks of life can uh, understand the struggle that Cuomo uh, is going through if he's admitting to being an alcoholic. I think there's a lot of people in our society that that message speaks volumes to that say, OK, I'm, I'm glad to hear someone, anyone in the world. And a lot of people talk about it. He would not be unique in that regard. But I just think what's interesting in the timing and everything else about this is it seems to be an attempt to use this as opposed to actually genuinely want to talk about this issue. It doesn't seem to be something. And this is what infuriates me so much. And I think it's the same thing with and this is an utterly different scenario say a Will Smith going out there and making two or three apology videos about slapping Chris Rock in the face 
in front of a lot of people on a, on a nationally televised award show uh, because it's hurting him now. It's hurting his career now. It's selfish. It's essentially the exact opposite, I think, of what people tell you to do in any scenario to actually get better as a person. Uh, you know, one person that made me think about a lot, and this is probably an example that a lot of people won't uh, be as familiar with. I am a millennial. I'm younger. Uh, Demi Lovato. Demi Lovato talked openly and honestly to her fans in the world of music about the drug struggles, the other things that she went through, and she continued to spiral back into those behaviors and wound up even one time in the hospital, uh, just moments from death, uh, according to that documentary that came out that talked about all this. And so what's really odd to me in the world of celebrity, uh, in the world of any of, of those sort of things, uh, essentially is that end move where you talk about your struggles, you talk about the challenges of your life, but you do it in a way that still puts you in the spotlight. It's actually the same problem I've had sometimes when say, and here, this is a weird example, but it's where my brain is going. And I think we're just going to ride this thought train uh, to its end right now. I was so concerned about the children that are uh, victims, uh, but survive, say, a mass shooting, like in Uvalde or wherever it is. I was concerned about them going on television, about them being faces and having conversations about these things. When in reality, we don't let children testify in court uh, if they're only a certain age because we think it's damaging. We don't think it's valuable to the children. We, we want kids. And I wouldn't say we don't let. I'm sure there's a bunch of kids who do. But there is this caution in the legal system of not wanting a kid of a certain age to be asked to go into a courtroom and testify about some sort of crime or something. Uh, and then we do it in our actual society. We want to we want to trot a person out there that I think is at an age and at a development stage and has just gone through a horrible thing that really doesn't need to be a person out there in the political field, a person that we talk about one way or another, agree or disagree with their their positions. I know how much sometimes you want to uh, demonstrate a a understanding of something through someone who has an experience no one else has, but we should err on the side of caution in a lot of that stuff to not use the children in a way that's inappropriate and bad for them. I think the same holds true for any sort of story, any sort of human experience that exists and not to the same regard. I don't want anyone listening to this right now and be like, man, that guy who filled in for Chad just compared this one thing to the other thing and actually considers them equal. When you make a comparison, it's not always because you think things are equal. Sometimes it's you think there's a through line that somehow connects those dots, but they are in no way, shape or form equal. And these two things I'm talking about right now are in no way, shape or form equal. The horrible tragedy that kids might go through and anything else we exist, we deal with in society. I feel like that is a uniquely uh, destructive and, and just uh, evil thing. Uh, but anyway, as I make that through line comparison, the only intention I have in this segment is that I get uh, specifically upset when any sort of celebrity, any sort of person out there seems to be utilizing a struggle that a lot of everyday Americans go through for some other reason than to add additional conversation, to add additional, because I'm going to be honest about this. Uh, I guess this is the last thing I'll say on this rant of a topic, and then we'll move on to one other thing and we'll take a break. Uh, the last thing I'll say is that I believe now, after all the infomercials that you've seen growing up as a person or all the you know, end of the uh, Saturday morning cartoon, the serious um, a conversation moment for anybody in our society today. I wonder if it's even powerful anymore to hear celebrity stories of their own unique struggles and if it actually helps any of the people who are in a similar boat. And my guess is it doesn't. 
So it becomes increasingly more a part of our society for a celebrity to do this for them than for us. The same, as I always say, is true of politicians who run on platforms of helping people that they themselves are not and then showing at other times how little they care about the things that they talk about because it doesn't affect their day-to-day life. But anyway, I move on. I digress from all of that, the rant of that topic. I wanted to cover one other thing that I think is interesting. Uh, This is on a place on Reddit. It's definitely not a serious story, which is probably something I need right now. A place on Reddit that I like a whole lot. Uh, This place is Am I the Jerk, is what I always say. Uh, It's actually a very different word, Am I a bleep? Um, But this guy went on and asked a simple question. He said that he was going on a long cross-country flight, uh, a 10-hour flight, and that he had paid for a specific seat on that flight. He threw down the extra money. And anybody that flies knows that they ask you, do you want to throw down the extra money and buy a specific seat? He bought a seat up front in the plane, not actually in first class, but front uh, area to exit out of the the other uh, parts, the the lesser of society class, the society I'm in all the time. Uh, And then uh, he actually got on the plane early, boarded all that stuff. And a woman sat her two children next to him. I don't see exactly the ages of the kids in the post. I'm guessing they're they're younger. I don't think that they're truly like baby uh, level children because they have their own seats, but kids. And then the mother said, can I have your seat? And the guy goes, where, where are you? And she's in the far back of the plane, as far back as possible. And she just says, I just want to sit with my kids. Please give me your seat. And the guy did the thing that a lot of us would assume you might do if you paid for your seat, if you wanted the convenience of getting off the plane early. He said, no. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. And the woman went uh, crazy, at least according to this post, and screamed at him that he was the stuff, the, the bleep word uh, that they use on that platform. And I just asked the simple question. I throw it out there, and I'm, I'm going to answer it because, darn it, I want to answer it. But is that a guy being a jerk? If you did all the steps to get the right seat, And then the family member who I guess maybe did or didn't go up to the flight attendants or anybody else and asked to have her flight or her seats changed so she could sit with her children. And maybe there are three seats available in the back of the plane and she doesn't want to go back there. She just wants to be up front with the kids. I don't know all the scenario pieces here, uh, but I do know that I think personally the guy's not in the wrong. A lot on social media seem to think he wasn't in the wrong. I think it'd be weird, uh, depending especially on the age of the kids, to look a mom in the eyes and be like, nah, I'm going to sit with your children. Uh, maybe you even charge a babysitting fee. I'm not sure what it would be. Uh, but I, I think, again, that if you went through all the steps and you want to get off the flight early, that next time when mom travels, even if it sounds a little heartless to some, that she should probably throw down for uh, actually buying seats for all three people together. Although it is weird whenever they sit you in not the same spot, because there was a flight recently where my wife and I were in totally different seats that flight and obviously no kids involved not really a challenge for us it's just odd uh, but at the same time that's probably why the airline sometimes charges for those kind of things and especially when you want three seats together i feel like that's more challenging than two but i ask you the simple question you can let us know on social media who was wrong who was the jerk the guy who told a woman she couldn't sit with her children or the woman for yelling and berating a guy who paid extra money to sit in the front of a plane a quick break a lot more craig collins filling in on the chad benson show Uh, But even when uh, Chad is off, this is one of the hardest working guys in all the radio. Here he is with a message about Eden Pure. 
Your home is full of odors. The kitchen garbage, stinky gym shoes, damp basement odors are everywhere. Stop simply masking the problem with chemical sprays and eliminate them with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier. Now odors, mold, mildew, bacteria, and viruses are destroyed in a matter of seconds. The Thunderstorm Air Purifier uses Oxy technology to send out O3 molecules into the air, which seeks out odors and air pollutants and destroys them. With over 250,000 already sold, you know it works. The thunderstorm tackles odors from litter boxes, cigarette smoke, dirty diapers, and more. Best of all, there are no filters to buy. Right now, save $200 on an Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack for whole home protection. Go to EdenPureDeals.com and put in discount code CHAD3 to save $200 and get free shipping on the Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack. That's EdenPureDeals.com, discount code CHAD3. Breathe better with the Thunderstorm Air Purifier by Eden Pure. EdenPureDeals.com, discount code CHAD3. Fear and white male privilege to me. I do often out myself verbally as a gender. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm proud to be a gender. Are you stupid? <laughs> Robin! What? Are you kidding me? Not a great way to use your white privilege. Some people get it, some people don't. You're listening to The Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in, and in just a bit, I'm teasing it, but we'll get to it at the tail end of this segment here. I'm going to talk about the science of going to the bathroom, the science of going number one as a man, because apparently there's science out there, and I can't get over it. But since I'm a juvenile for wanting to even talk about that, I won't start there. I will start with other more uh, important things, of course, uh, more important. The first one is a story about the power lunch, uh, the world of the going out to eat uh, for lunch uh, in the middle of your workday with people that are important. Uh, I think this is happening in big cities, and that's where the story comes from. But I'm, of course, it happens all over the place. It happens everywhere. Uh, what I think is so interesting about this is they're saying that after the pandemic, and especially now that more and more people, although it's been a while, I feel like, so that's probably a little out of touch the way it's saying here, uh, but more and more people work in their office every day, that the power lunch has become more boozy. It's become a lot more fun. You get the boss out. You're all uh, having a few drinks. Uh, but it, it's the kind of thing now, maybe more so than before, the Mad Men version of it that it used to be back in the day where you get back to the office and you're not doing productive work for the second half of that day. And I imagine it probably happens more on a Friday. I think that this would close things down. And I don't even know where you do the research to figure this out, uh, but they're saying that more and more companies are reporting that they're having fairly significant power lunch uh, tabs come in, especially in the booze department. And I think that's fine. I think all things considered, if you're uh, uh, dealing with a whole lot, whatever it might be, and you wind up at, at a lunch and you, you haven't been to a power lunch in a while with the boss for whatever reason, uh, that maybe the, the two of you have a couple extra drinks more than you normally do and you say some real stuff. Although I will caution that there is definitely a dangerous version of this thing. And I will always remember this. And I don't know how valuable the story is to continue to share. I feel like a lot of people know this, but I, I saw it. I witnessed it and it was something. Uh, there was a holiday party, a Christmas party way back in the day. Uh, at a company that definitely didn't do radio that I worked at, where one guy got so overserved, he made a lot of mistakes uh, with his mouth. He said a lot of things he shouldn't say to the people in the company he didn't like, although it was thrilling to sort of watch. And then eventually he said some overly complimentary things to some bosses in a way that definitely got uncomfortable. And I don't mean like he was hitting on 
uh, a boss that was the opposite sex of him. He was telling a, a boss that is uh, that was a dude uh, and they were both straight men how much he loved that guy. <laughs> I'm sorry. To this day, I'll remember it. And I remember the boss was trying to stop him like, man, I, you know, a lot's been going wrong for you this evening. This is the weirdest one. This is the one not going great. And maybe that's the like drunk guy trying to fix a night where you feel like you made mistakes and maybe you even feel close to the to the leader of the company. You're like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to tell this guy how great he is and everything will be fine. But it was like a 30 second to two or three minute version, because I definitely think it was longer than 30 seconds, actually, of begging the guy to stop doing it. And then eventually putting him in a cab and sending him home. That guy got fired a little bit after that day. I'm not sure if it was for that reason. I don't know exactly how it happened, but don't do that. If you go on a power lunch, if people start drinking a few extra drinks, know what you can handle. Please, please, please know what you can handle. One other quick one, and this story is probably not even all that valuable to throw out on radio. What a great start. What a great way to pitch this to you. But there is a viral video, 3.4 million views on Twitter, of a bear dancing with a pole to a song, Body, by Megan Thee Stallion. And I think it's hilarious. Uh, the bear is definitely just trying to scratch an, ish, an itch, but the way in which the bear is doing it and the fact that the bear chose a pole and then you put the song to it does make it look like it might be something else. And I don't know why. It's one of the most amusing videos I've seen in a while. I'll put it up on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Greg Collins show. Uh, you'll probably be able to see it all kinds of other places, though. But there's something about a pole dancing bear that you just got to see at least one time. A sentence I never thought I'd end a segment on. A quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about as always. Uh, I want to start here. Wisconsin Democratic Senate uh, Mandela Barnes is spending a whole lot of money on private security while also talking about defunding the police, uh, defunding the overbloated police departments. Uh, so much so that in a recent story, apparently, that hit local news uh, in Wisconsin, uh, they're now talking about whether or not he should be spending that much money on his own private security if he doesn't seem to believe in things like security by force in the world of the police department protecting the public. For a Wisconsin U.S. Senate seat, security costs are becoming something of an issue. A report in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel finds the Democratic candidate, Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes, averages more than 13 and a half hours of security protection each day, more than 10 times as many hours as his predecessor. Now that comes at a daily cost of $660 for the wages of patrol officers. It's so interesting to see. And actually, we've seen this uh, time and again. I think Lori Lightfoot out of Chicago was one of the more valuable examples when she was paying a whole private security team to protect her while advocating for less police in Chicago, a city that has a lot of crime, a lot of violent crime as a part of the narrative every day about some of the things we talk about in a place that she's in charge of. Uh, it's just so interesting because, and I'll say this uh, time and again, and then I'll move on. This is probably a boring take at this point. 
Actions speak louder than words, man. Actions speak louder than words. That's the way we should say it to politicians, actually. Just like a person in a bar. Uh, the moment you hear somebody maybe sitting next to you complaining about a thing and you wonder if the actions fit the words they're saying, you just say it that way and then you just see what happens. All right, uh, let's move on to this. Uh, Tim Ryan is saying we need new leadership on all sides. Uh, that is something that's odd, as, of course, his voting record 100 percent of the time seems to agree with Joe Biden. Uh, that would be a valuable way to take a stance as a politician, sir, is to stop agreeing with the guy you think needs to be out of office. I will give him credit, though, at least in, in one way. A lot of people try to avoid the question of whether or not you would support the current president if he were to try to remain in office, say, in an upcoming election in a couple of years. Uh, he didn't necessarily do that and just saying we want new leadership across the board for everybody. We need new ideas. We need new people. I don't know if that includes him not being a, a politician anymore, but I, I digress. Solicit office performance. Do you think he should run again in 2024? Well, I, my, my hunch is that like we we need new leadership across the board, Democrats, Republicans. I think it's it's time for like a generational move uh, for for new leaders on both sides. I think. the Yeah. You know, and, and actually a lot of people might agree with that. I don't know if you saw the CBS this morning uh, coverage the other day, uh, CBS mornings, but they were talking about um the age problem in politics. And uh, they did it in a way that I thought was really tremendously interesting. Uh, they actually even aired some audio of the current president that I was sort of surprised to see them air. Uh, but just to cover it quickly, and of course, today, I think uh, the conversation is more shifted to talking about the uh, death of Queen Elizabeth II out of uh, the UK. Uh, so this is a day old or so. This is yesterday's coverage of news things uh, before that uh, moment had occurred. Uh, and it is actually, I'll say this, um, not that I'm trying to, to criticize people caring about uh, the death of someone who was uh, not exactly in power, uh, but someone who was in a important role in another country uh, for as long as she was. But I, I wonder really how much truly uh, the American people are impacted by this or, or I guess, for lack of saying it a better way, how much interest is truly held in this. Uh, but when we move back on to the conversation from the other day about the age of our politicians it's just so tremendously interesting to me uh, to think that, and I, I know one way you could actually uh, say it is uh, potentially uh, that maybe some talking points have been sent along and now the uh, mainstream news media is more okay with the idea of crapping on, uh, say, the current president. Uh, but that is essentially what happens here. They interviewed people uh, in the area, uh, older people, about whether or not they think there should be an age limit on politicians. Here's some of the stuff that was aired on CBS Mornings uh, the other day. Right? Do you think our politicians are too old? Absolutely. You do? There is an age, I think, when when a person doesn't have the capabilities of, of conducting the kind of things you have in office. I feel the same way. Really? Oh, yeah. In fact, just about every single person we ran into at the Villages supported age limits. I'm almost 80 now. I think somebody 80 doesn't belong is a leader 70 75 tops get out out of politics yes i think what's interesting about that coverage by the way is not just the term limit conversation which i do think has a tremendous amount of value uh saying something to the effect of uh no matter how old you are to be honest i don't like and i think a lot of americans don't like career politicians because career politicians take advantage of being career politicians time and again uh, power corrupts. Absolute, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely, I think is the phrase. And I'm not saying that career politicians have absolute power. I'm just saying whatever advantages they find 
Uh, well, in that office, they definitely use them, I think, uh, and will continue to use them. And that's why term limits make sense. Age limits to me don't make sense. And actually, I saw in this data that it was more older Americans that supported age limits than younger Americans. I'm in my 30s as a millennial, and I mention that from time to time. So maybe I'm just playing into the polling. Maybe I'm just playing into the data. But I think if you can run a successful campaign, if you can convince the American people to vote for you, you deserve your opportunity to be in office. If you then screw up every part of that job in office and demonstrate time and again when the spotlight is actually on you, uh, that you do not deserve to have that position, I think you should be impeached or I think you should be removed from power if we actually believe that you're cognitively incapable of handling it. So a couple of things come into play here. I agree with a lot of people who say that a cognitive test is important. Proving that you have the, the ability mentally to handle the job makes sense to me. Uh, but then also, I think that just being capable of convincing voters to vote for you is the core part of how our political system works and why the voice of the people matters. So putting certain limits like age limits on things essentially takes that right out of the American people's hands. We can pay attention to how intelligent someone seems to be, I would hope, and maybe actually to use our last presidential election as an example, if you choose to use your vote to vote against someone instead of for whoever it is you're actually putting into office, you may want to uh, more seriously think the intelligence of that move if the person you're putting in power after you evaluate it, like a lot of Democrats have now over the last couple of years, really shouldn't be there. If you look at it and you're like, man, wait a minute, I screwed up a thing because I didn't really vote yes, I voted no. Uh, and honestly, that was probably uh, not the right move. I think a lot of people are saying that. And I think that's why this conversation about needing younger politicians is one that's out there. Although it is also a sneaky way for mainstream media to try to preclude Trump from running again uh, for office. But here is the part I was talking about of this coverage, too. The moment where they play a Biden speech that I was surprised they played, uh, surprised they used as a thing, because you just don't expect it to be. Uh, I hear this all the time in the circles that I'm in. You don't hear this all the time in mainstream media, but it is a valuable example that Biden might not be fit for office. President Biden has faced some of the same criticism from his political opponents. All men and women created by the go, you know, the, you know, the thing. These are signs of senility. Uh, yes, they are. And that I didn't add any of that in there. That was exactly the way the coverage on CBS this morning uh, handled that moment where Biden's like, you know, the thing and the stuff and it'll be fine. And then you transition to the news report of uh, this is bad. Uh, this looks real, real bad for all of us. Uh, but I do think it's interesting and I think it's a valuable conversation. And I wonder what your opinion is on it. If you think that an age limit is necessary in the world of, of politics, in the world of most of the positions people can hold in our country, uh, because we as the American people can't be trusted to evaluate that ourselves. And I know we make mistakes. I feel like the American people definitely made a mistake in the last uh, presidential election because the guy hid in the basement uh, and still won a role in office. If he had spoken more, we would have known that it was a bad idea. You would have known uh, not to put him in office. And so his strategy was to not speak. And somehow that also worked. All right. Uh, one other quick thing, and then I will take a break. I wanted to play this. This is uh, Fox News Digital, uh, which has been doing a great job on finding some audio of things that are interesting. These are Pennsylvania iron workers that are very upset about Biden's student loan bailout because and here's here's what I'll say before I even play this. It is our money. I love when anyone makes the argument that we shouldn't care what the government does with taxpayer dollars and we can't 
line by line item this stuff because you know there's a lot of spending that we wouldn't support uh, per, uh, necessarily. Uh, but at the end of the day, we pay taxes uh, as a society. That's something we do here in this country. And I think we do have a right to voice our, our uh, dislike or disapproval of how that money gets spent, especially when you start to think about the way it's applied to some people in our society. And there's a lot of examples of this. Democrats throw out their own examples of this, but not all members of our society and for unique reasons. And the thing about student loan debt that's so important, and I'm a millennial who has student loan debt, who will benefit from this and will be willing to go ahead and fill out the paperwork. I'm not going to I'm not going to be above it. I just want to be honest there. I'm not going to pretend I am. I'm not going to be like, no, I forego the forgiveness uh, for the help of other people. No, when the system's out there and I benefit, I will, I will accept the benefit, uh, although I don't think it's the right thing to do. And here's the reason why, as we play this audio, uh, all the people who have their own loan, their own debt, their own issues that they'd like help with, who didn't make the mistake of agreeing to pay for something that you thought you couldn't afford. When I signed my paperwork that said that I was paying back my student loans, I was aware that they would want that money. I was aware of that. And I can't pretend I wasn't or I can't say society forced me to ink that paper. Yeah, he's going to help the people in the bigger cities because that's what he wants. But as far as me, I'm sure it's not going to help me. A lot of those families, the rich, they have the money to pay it off. I mean, so they get, they get a break and they get to sit on their couch, the kids, with some with a degree that they can't even use. And the thing about it is, the, the rich aren't going to pay for this. We are. Everything's just going to be a, is, is, is a gift, but that goes on the back of our, on, on the back of our, our debt. You know what I think is so interesting about the second of the two people that they interviewed for this, talking about it, uh, is that the narrative out of the White House is that we're going to fix the taxes and we're going to make the rich pay for things. Uh, but I'll say time and again that the people who are truly the uber elite, the uber wealthy in our society... They know a lot of ways to not pay for stuff. That's how you, I think, one way you get to be uh, as wealthy as some of the individuals that the Democrats like to talk about are. Uh, and this is like the extremely wealthy in our society. They can, they can avoid the payment. And so that second gentleman is absolutely correct when he says the real person that pays for all this stuff uh, is, I, Chuck Schumer actually said this uh, maybe a month or so ago, uh, that at some point we're going to have to balance our budget the way he means it gets balanced is raising taxes on people who actually pay them. The reason you put so many more IRS agents in a position of power is because you want them to go after the masses. Not you would you could hire like four really great IRS agents if you wanted to just go after the absolute uber wealthy. That's what you could do. I promise you just like four or five uh, really good. Maybe some people who've been doing taxes for the rich for a while and you want to snake them away with money. And then you go after the very, very small 1% of people out there who might not pay as much taxes as you need them to pay if you're a Democrat. That's the way you do that. When you hire 87,000 people to do a bunch of this uh, work, you're not going after just the uber wealthy anymore. You're not putting the uh, Johnny Depp legal team on one tax issue. Uh, you're going after a lot more, a lot less valuable things uh, in this world. So I, I know a lot of people know that. I know a lot of people understand that. And I just think it's interesting when those narratives can be played out there and you still have people on other sides of those issues. Sometimes I don't understand that. Uh, but darn it, I think it's probably more about uh, trusting the government, uh, which is something a lot of us don't do. And some of us do. All right. A quick break. A lot more. Uh, Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson show. Tag 
me too. Hashtag immigration reforms. Hashtag help. I'm trapped in a hashtag factory and I can't get out. The Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about as always. Uh, one thing I thought was interesting, this is coming from the world of Kellogg specifically. Uh, yes, the cereal company. Uh, they're saying that they would like us to start doing mashups. Uh, mashups meaning uh, healthy and unhealthy cereals together. Uh, well, because the world of cereal is very unhealthy as it is. Um, although there are a few good options. Uh, they want to do things like frosted Cinnabran, uh, which sounds awful. Uh, it's cinnamon French toast uh, frosted flakes mixed with raisin bran. Uh, also, OG wheats, uh, which I like to call the fact that they call them OG, which is frosted mini wheats mi- mixed with special K. And finally, uh, Twisty Krispies is another cereal option they are thinking about out there in the world, which is Cocoa Krispies and Rice Krispies together. I don't know how much more healthy Rice Krispies are than the cocoa variety, uh, but I think this is interesting. And I imagine maybe a lot of people just aren't buying the healthy cereal anymore because there is a point where I think you eventually go, yeah, all right, if I'm doing cereal and I've heard enough things about how unhealthy cereal is, I just don't care. I'm not in a place anymore where I'm even going to try to make this something that's easier or better for me. It's not something that matters at all, in my opinion. All right, I want to move on to some other stuff, too, out there in the world. I thought this was pretty interesting. Uh, Merriam-Webster is adding 370 new words to the English language. Uh, We shouldn't have that many new words in the English language, is my opinion. Uh, Some of the words obviously demonstrate the thing I think. uh, Words like uh, pumpkin spice apparently are getting added that might not have been there before as a, a phrase together. Adorkable is getting added to the, um, no, this is a no for me. I wish I could pull back the old um, uh, American Idol clip and have Randy Jackson be telling everybody, it's no for me, dog. But adorkable should not be in a dictionary anywhere. Baller is going to be in a dictionary. Plant-based. Um, Galentine's Day. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you celebrate Galentine's Day, I imagine you're deeply offended by the way I just laughed very, very hard at the idea that Galentine's Day is going to be respected by anybody anywhere. Uh, By the way, that's when you celebrate with friends, especially women going out with other women the day before Valentine's Day. They call it Galentine's Day. LARP is now going to be an actual word, live action role play. Uh, Sus should not be a word, and I am upset with everybody involved. Uh, Slang for suspicious or suspect, uh, that is a thing that you're going to be able to look up in a dictionary and immediately ruins our brains as a society. Uh, yeet is also going to be out there, a slang uh, espre- expression used to express surprise, approval, or uh, excited uh, enthusiasm. Uh, that's the way they're going to define it. Yeet. No, we need this to stop. That's all I'll say on that. I'll move on to something else. I have another um, word story that maybe I'll use in a little bit. I teased this earlier, forgot to pay it off. Uh, But science has now determined something you should pay attention to the next time you go to the restroom and go number one. Uh, The amount of seconds you take to to complete the process, it's real. If it's more than 20 seconds, they call it the 21-second rule, you have a problem. If it's way less than 20 seconds, you also have a problem. Apparently, there's a sweet, sweet window in there where if you're hitting about 20 seconds per restroom break for restroom trip number one, then you're doing it right. And some of the questions they ask is, are you someone who spends a lot of time in the bathroom because it's the only place in your home where you can be alone? It's the only place where you're home when you can do something like, say, use your cell phone uh, for, I don't know, uh, playing a video game, whatever it might be. If the answer is yes, you might not be helping yourself. All right, quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Jad Benson Show.
Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Greg Collins filling in. I want to set up this next clip I'm about to play as a moment of profound um, a wisdom from someone who's a world leader. But that is very sarcastic in the way I would do it. But I think that that's what our vice president thinks every time she says the thing that's so basic, so uh, barely any sort of uh, analysis whatsoever. And I'm actually a little suspicious that maybe her conversation with some NASA astronauts was one where she didn't understand the stuff they were saying. So she went to the most macro possible issue to be like, well, what you're, you're talking about, you're talking about a lot of advancements up there in the space place. What you're really talking about is just life in general. I will play the audio first. And again, what I believe that our vice president feels is a really great way to handle a conversation and just profound wisdom thrown around. Uh, you be the judge. And everything you spoke of is about life, isn't it? And what we can do through food, through the growth of agriculture that feeds the species and the population, but also what we can do to improve the condition of, uh-huh. of human life, and human life. sickness yeah. and what we can do and discover in terms of treatment. That really is so exciting. Oh, I'm so excited for the ideas you guys are figuring out there in the space place. Uh, and by the way, that does happen. Uh, that That is true, what she's saying. And I imagine most of us know that, that a lot of advancements come from some of the, the ways in which we uh, tried to explore space in the past and the uh, technology we created for it. But I just love that that's like the cap to the conversation with them because it didn't matter what they were saying. I feel like she went in and she was ready to say those sentences and some are criticizing them as I am here of not necessarily being the deep, heartfelt, valuable thing that maybe even the astronauts are like, yeah, she, okay, she she. Barely gets it, but we'll be fine. All right, I want to move on to other stuff. I actually sometimes play uh, this game on uh, another radio thing that I do. I call it good story, bad story. It's where I throw you two examples of things going on in our society. I guess I could just play the audio of the vice president as a bad uh, bad uh, story example. Uh, but what essentially is trying to show is that there's moments where we can have faith in the world we live in and then moments where that can be teared away from us very, very quickly. Uh, and I, I only do them back to back because, well, that's the way life exists in general. Uh, so first, the good story. A kid named Jacob Walker was born with a rare form of an issue, uh, dwarfism, and doctors didn't expect him to live past the age of five. But he's 12 years old now. He posts videos of himself dancing all the time, people encouraging for him for doing it. And he says, you just got to live life to the fullest every single day. I think that's an awesome story, uh, first and foremost, personally. Because I wonder how you even react at the time whenever you can understand it or when your family can understand it, that medically they're worried you won't be any older than five. And the amount of time you continue to get after that moment, the amount of years you continue to uh, be a part of the, the world in which we live, and then you get to go viral for good reasons on social media. It's a very empowering, very valuable uh, just message out there, I think, and very simplistic uh, from a person that would understand some things way better than probably I understand some things. I'm going to give you two good stories because why not? It's a Friday. Let's go uh, twofer on the good stories. A guy in California uh, named um, Mike Huss spent 14 years working as a janitor at his old elementary school. He then became a teacher at the same school and did that for 19 years. And he now just became the principal of the school. 
Uh, people are praising the determination, the years, all the things put in uh, to rise that far up at a company. Uh, here he is talking a little bit about it, uh, the inspirational journey that he's taken as well. These things might be overly fluffy, but darn it, I don't care. Uh, this is the point of the good story. And then, well, we do the other thing. I wanted to show my young son that if your dad can be the school janitor, I was coaching youth sports, he maintained a good grade point average and become a school teacher, you can accomplish anything in this life. So I was really looking forward to teaching fifth grade again this year. And they reached out to me and said, we think you're the leader the school needs. That was very humbling. And it brings chills just to say it. So congratulations to him. Job well done. Uh, way to work at one company for so long that you get promoted all the way up, it, uh, which is actually a valuable thing that not many of us do. Uh, nowadays. All right. And then here's the bad story. This is an example of something I think that is society not working out the way it should. A viral story about a woman uh, who is spending $4,000 to travel to Hawaii to spread the ashes of a loved one. That loved one is Spud, her dead hamster. Uh, she is spending, as I said, four grand to do it, uh, something that she actually put off uh, during the pandemic when Spud uh, passed away, uh, if that's the word we're supposed to use for a hamster. Uh, Spud had no real connection to Hawaii, the place that she's choosing to travel to spread the ashes. Uh, he'd never really left his home at all, actually, that he shared with her uh, in the UK. But Lisa Marie Lang is like, darn it, this is something I think Spud would like. Uh, the Hawaii set was always Spud's favorite. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't. I, uh, no, I don't know. I, I am. I'm sorry. I, that's what I'm going to go with here. Um, I guess she would put little themes in the back of his cage and she could tell that Spud definitely liked Hawaii. He loved the sand. It was the perfect send off. He's finally going to get to come uh, to come along on a real holiday is what she said. So she had her her pet hamster turned to ashes and then she's spreading those ashes in Hawaii and it's going to cost her way more than the hamster cost. Look, I'm not actually judging caring a lot about pets. I'm going to be honest about this. I have a brand new uh, a dog. My first uh, dog I've had is an adult. I had dogs as a kid growing up, but this is the first time I've chosen to uh, go ahead and go to this, the um, uh, place, adopt the dog myself, uh, pay the money to adopt the dog, and now take care of the dog. And my wife and I don't have any kids, if anyone's wondering about that. So there is something about the connection you forge with an animal, with a pet, uh, as you have them in your life. And so I'm not necessarily judging that. I guess it's just the idea that of all the pets you choose to care this much about, a pet hamster, $4,000 to Hawaii, a place, again, that pet has never actually been in order to spread ashes there. Um, it, it is something. That's all I'll say about that. And it did, for whatever reason, amuse me. All right, one other thing real quickly, and I guess this could kind of sort of be a, a bad story, more or less, if you want to call it that. Uh, planes are getting messier. Uh, a lot of people are now even taking photos or social media posts showing how, how much crap is left on planes in between flights. And the question is being asked, why? Why is food and stuff uh, being left behind? Why are people not cleaning up everything after themselves? And the reason seems to be that planes are just being used more now. There are less planes, less pilots, so more flights are happening, um, less time in between those flights to do things like, I guess, clean up. And a whole lot of people are not helping uh, the process. Uh, the people do come through the cabin, the flight attendants, with the little trash bag asking you to give them their trash. And people don't do it. They just kind of leave it in their own space and then they just leave and then no one cleans it up. And so that is part of the problem, I guess. Uh, but as I said, more and more people, and it's not specific to any airline, are posting photos and videos of some experiences like this. And the question is just asked, how do we fix the problem? Uh, well, we probably fix the problem by first and foremost cleaning up after ourselves. Yeah, I'm turning this on us. But then also the airline doing a quick sweep, if that's all they can do. Uh, to make sure that you don't sit down to a bag of like eaten, spilled out potato chips 
the way some people are doing. I wish we would. Ha- I thought of this the other day, actually. I wish we could go back to having like a one-off experience. Like it'd almost be like a, a holiday a bus or train uh, in bigger cities that exist sometimes where you're just riding the regular um, uh, transit and all of a sudden it's like holiday themed and Santa's on the front of it, uh, which may or may not happen in your community. I'm not sure if it does, uh, but that's a thing some places. I wish you could like uh, every once in a while goose one plane to have it be the old school 1950s, 60s version of taking a flight where everything's uh, super nice and amazing and it costs a lot more money. I feel like it would do a lot to make people feel happier about all the travel and the way that air travel has gotten worse and worse and worse. If you just got lucky and got the old school plane, the OG plane uh, with the flight attendants who are super nice about everything and and super polite and just everything about it seems like a a really uh, different experience than the experience we have today. I feel like that'd be cool. It'd probably be uh, tremendously costly and no one would want to do it because no one would pay a lot for it. But darn it, it's an idea I have out there that'll never come to fruition. So why not? Just share it on the radio. Uh, A couple other quick things, and then I'll take a break. I saw this, a uh, collection of phrases people were putting together online of moments where you sound tremendously passive-aggressive at work. Uh, These are phrases you shouldn't use in text or email or anything uh, in order to have a conversation with someone else because they're going to immediately think that you're trying to be a jerk about things. I don't know if I agree with all of them, uh, but darn it, maybe that says I'm guilty of some. Uh, Please advise was number one on this list, and I, I agree with that. If you're writing, please advise. Uh, You might not necessarily be uh, saying that just because you really want someone to please. You're not just doing manners. Uh, Noted is number two, and that has the period after it. If all you say is noted, someone might think you're passive aggressive. I think context matters, man. I feel like noted is the same as the like thumbs up emoji. Just sending that along. And sometimes noted can be okay. And I think I am guilty. Uh, Number three, friendly reminder is one that's out there, uh, which people are saying is passive aggressive. Sometimes I feel like the reminder can be friendly. Uh, will do is number four. That seems way too specific. Uh, I think you got to say will do about a lot of stuff. Uh, thanks in advance is something that might be passive aggressive or sounds that way at work. Uh, per our last conversation, agree with that one, definitely. Uh, if you're writing in per our last conversation, uh, more often than not, someone might be like, yeah, I remember our last conversation, you. Uh, circling back as per my last email, as promised, as discussed. I think some of these are just overused. I wouldn't necessarily say that all of these are passive aggressive in nature. Uh, But again, some of them are probably just used way more than they should be used. And that's probably part of the problem more than anything else. I also think just the way we read stuff might have changed at some point. I think we look for more anger or depending on who it is that this coworker, if we have a colleague or someone that we think's a jerk and just do this next time in your mind. Uh, When you're reading an email, a text message or anything from the voice of someone that you think is a jerk or someone that you think is really nice, try to switch the voice. Try to think of someone else sending the exact same email, the exact same communication. Because I do think sometimes we're just overly harsh in the uh, same version of speak that multiple people give us because some people to us are people who are going to say it in a meaner way or a a more passive aggressive way than somebody else. I do think that happens from time to time. But now I feel I'm definitely excusing too many of these behaviors. So it might be on me. I'll take a break. Uh, A lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. I usually don't get into politics. As an ordinary suburban housewife, I feel a little disrespected. I teach my children not to name call. You are a blabbermouth! Okay! 
Ah, man. Um, guys, can we please keep the chatter to a minimum? Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Greg Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Chad is back on Monday. A couple other quick things. And I'd like to end the show, uh, do the last segment here with something that, say, is a little bit more adult in nature, a little bit salacious. And I like to do that with barely any time left of the show. So I uh, hopefully can't get in that much trouble. Uh, So that is coming up in just a bit. You want to earmuffs the children. uh, I promise I'll handle it respectfully. It won't be something that'll get us in trouble. Uh, But first, I want to talk about this. I saw a story uh, where there's a Botox rival out there that just got FDA approval. Uh, it's a big deal, according to a lot of people. Um, the company or the therapeutic name is Daxify, uh, which is some other thing that I don't want to try to pronounce on the air because I'm probably going to get it wrong. Uh, but it's a Botox alternative that reportedly keeps skin from sagging for much longer of a period of time. Uh, it's expected to reach $1 billion in sales by 2030, according to a, um, a company that looks into that sort of thing. It's a big deal. It's going to uh, last longer, uh, said uh, one uh, doctor, I guess, who does these sort of procedures at New York City. Uh, well, Botox injections keep creases smooth for about four months. Daxify works much longer than that, 50% of the time, six months or so. I can't see myself ever getting the Botox. And uh, that's all I'll say on that topic. No, I'm kidding. I, I can't see myself ever trying to inject stuff into the face to make it uh, less wrinkly. And I don't know uh, if that just means that that's why I work in radio and not any other profession out there in the world. But I think you got to embrace that stuff, man. And you think you can't just like fill everything in uh, with whatever the, uh, the creams and things are. I understand this very, very uh, basically uh, that are going in there and staying in there for a while. And I also love the fact that, that they're saying it's such a big deal. It's such a huge breakthrough. And it's so valuable that it's approved. When it goes from four months, months to six months, so you still got to be injecting quite often to get that sweet, sweet result to stay uh, for as long as I guess you want it to stay. And, you know, as I say that, I, I do uh, harken back to something I've said before on the radio. Uh, I am in my mid-30s, and the hair is not being nice to me. It's starting to go the direction that it's gone for other members of my family. And I have joked often, and it's only barely a joke, about flying to, say, some foreign country. I've heard good things about India and getting the full hair plug treatment at a way lower cost than here in the United States. Although, honestly, I probably should just uh, throw down and afford it in a place where it's uh, a little bit more trustworthy for these sort of things because I don't want the hair to go. So I guess if someone gets as upset about their wrinkles as I get upset about the hair loss that's happening up here on the top of my head as I'm touching my head and then for some reason explaining it to you on the radio, it's an odd thing that just happened there and I can't get it back. So it's going to be what it is. Uh, I do think that maybe in some ways I might understand the thing I'm making fun of. But hey, Daxify out there in the world, huge improvement, two more months of, of lasting effects for anyone that's into that sort of thing. I don't know why I thought this was funny, and maybe it'll be funny to just me, and that's a good swing and a miss on the radio to try out. Uh, but I saw a list of things that Americans have been bitten by, the percentage of us that have been um, pinched by something, and it was all the little animals that bite us. And so I thought it was fairly interesting uh, to dive into the data. 98% of people who've been stung by a hornet say it's painful. 61% say it's very painful. Uh, but they looked at every type of bug or critter that you can think of and asked people if they'd ever been stung or bitten by it before. And the answers are not really all that surprising. Although I, I think that this is ridiculous. A mosquito, only 91% of people are like, yeah, mosquitoes got me. I'm going to be honest with you, 100%. Everybody, I, I assume, unless you just live a sheltered life indoors at all times, has probably been hit up by at least one mosquito. 75% of us have been stung by a bee at some point. 52% of us stung by a wasp. Flea, 51. Fire ant, 46. I can't say I'm in the 46 category on a fire ant. I didn't really notice the difference 
uh, between that and a regular ant, but I don't think I've been bitten by any of them. Horsefly 42, Yellow Jacket 40, the list goes on. Uh, one thing I thought was interesting on here, uh, just quickly, and again, for some reason, this amuses me. And I, you know what amuses me about it? I'll tell you. It's not the numbers. It's not the stuff I shared with you now. It's the going through the process of asking people, like having a list of all the different animals that could bite you and one at a time being like, this bite you? Did this bite you? How did that feel? <laughs> I just love the time wasted in this survey uh, to find out this information in the first place. Uh, but honestly, uh, something happened the other day that I thought was fairly amusing, and I hope my wife is okay with me saying it. Uh, we saw a praying mantis uh, pop up, and she thought it was deadly. She was like, oh, we got to get away from that. That thing can kill humans. And I'm like, that's not a thing. I don't, I don't think you, you know, but that's, they're not deadly to us. And we had to Google it as she was kind of like running away from the praying mantis before we found out that, no, they are, in fact, not dangerous to humans, at least according to the Internet. And if I'm wrong, someone tell me. Facebook.com slash Greg Collins show. Let me know. The missus would like the win. Uh, but apparently, for some reason, uh, some people believe that a praying mantis can take you down just because of the look of it, just because of the way it seems to be, especially uh, a good at whatever it is it's doing. It just looks like a ninja. That's what it is. It looks like someone that can fight crime and do karate uh, as a small little animal. And so maybe for that reason, the missus was afraid of it. All right, here's the last thing with almost no time left, which is good that there's not a lot of time left. There's a woman that goes by a unique nickname online uh, who's been making a lot of money on some of those websites that only some people are on. Uh, I'm not going to give her full name out because I'm not trying to tell you to go uh, check out the, the content there. Uh, but her, she goes by Cherry and then some other stuff. Uh, anyway, she said that she's been making $20,000 a month uh, for a while now because she has armpit hair. And she says that people praise her armpit hair specifically. And that's a moment where I know that life is just unfair for men and women that a woman anywhere out there in the world can be on some of those sites where men go and throw money at people for all kinds of things. And the reason that she thinks she's successful, the reason she thinks that she's doing great in that world is that she has armpit hair. I know a bunch of dudes who wish they could make money off of that at some point in their life. Uh, and I, I said that oddly. I don't mean because we want to be on those sites. I just mean because we're rocking the armpit hair. So really, all in all, life is unfair. That's the message here. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. Thanks for listening. This is The Chad Benson Show.